get ready for everything you ever wanted to hear, know, and find out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WrestleMania. How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This is a webcast podcast about wrestling. So this week, we are going to do another one of our rebooks. We take mainstream events that might not have been unanimously praised, shall we say, and we rebook them according to what we would have liked to have seen on the card. Uh, we have strict rules that we we follow we try to abide by the roster that was available at the time we might have one cheat available to us but generally we like to stay to what was available at the time we don't like to uh stretch the uh fantasy part of this too far mm -hmm. uh so this week we are going to be covering wrestlemania 9 and before we get into the background of the event, I will just say that one of the caveats to us assembling our card this time was that each of us had to incorporate a tournament of sorts. We'll get into that in detail a little bit later, but just putting that in the back of your head. So WrestleMania 9 took place on April 4th, 1993 at Caesars Palace in Paradise, Nevada. It was the first WrestleMania that was held outside. And they would not do it again until WrestleMania 24 in 2008. It uh, was not an event that was, you know, liked by many people, aside from Leonard's friend Ronnie, who this was his first WrestleMania that he remembers watching. And I, I certainly respect that. And uh, there are plenty of things that I saw when I was younger that I held in high, that I hold in high regard to, to this day that people hate. Um, but I will have to say, this is not one of my favorite WrestleManias. And uh, we'll get into to why. Leonard, where do you view this WrestleMania? Well, I hate to disappoint Ronnie as well, such a good friend of the show, but I mean, I don't like this WrestleMania either. I mean, it's considered, as you mentioned, one of the worst of all time, and I think that's mainly because of the booking in the main event, which we'll get to when you go over the results. Right. But overall, I think this show, the matchups and the booking is just real lackluster. You yeah. know, some people think the Roman theme and the outdoor setting was lame. I actually like that part of it because I think it's unique and it's different. So that I like, but yeah, a lot of the matches to me, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily WrestleMania quality. Right. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so some other background going into this is that Hulk Hogan's eye was visibly damaged um, into this event. And there are to this day, different theories as to what happened. Uh, he, he seems to have held firm that it was a, a jet skiing accident. There is a theory that uh, Savage, you know, knocked him in the face uh, because he believed that he was having an affair with Miss Elizabeth. Uh, but uh, Hogan says it's a jet skiing accident. So, you know, I, I will just have to believe him there. 
but uh, that is something that people would see as this event went on. Um, so let's and get I'm pretty sure it. they don't address it on the show. Like, I don't think there's even a mention, oh, hey, Hogan's got a black eye. It's just... Yeah. Um, I forget where I heard about it, though. I, yeah, I guess when I watched it for the first time, I guess I was wondering as a kid what was going on because it did mm-hmm. look weird. But um, let's get into the card. The dark match, as we talked about on our Tito Santana WrestleMania rankings episode, uh, Tito Santana defeated Papa Shango. The opening match was Tatanka defeating Shawn Michaels by countout for the Intercontinental Championship. The Steiner brothers defeated the Head Shrinkers. Doink the Clown defeated Crush. Razor Ramon defeated Bob Backlund. Money Inc. defeated the Mega Maniacs of Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake with Jimmy Hart by disqualification. That match was for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Lex Luger defeated Mr. Perfect. The Undertaker with Paul Bearer defeated Giant Gonzalez with Harvey Whippleman by disqualification. Yokozuna defeated Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. And spoiler alert, Hulk Hogan appeared at the end of the event to help Bret Hart, but was urged into the ring by a challenge from Yokozuna and Hulk Hogan defeated Yokozuna for the WWF Championship. I'm very sorry if nobody knew that, but that is what happened. So we are going to head into our cards. And as I said before, we had to incorporate a tournament in some way. Now it didn't have to be the whole card had like was a tournament. That doesn't have to be the case. It just has to be a tournament of some sort. And as we were doing this, or more specifically, as I was doing this, I discovered that this takes place in April and in June would be the first King of the Ring, which is a tournament. So be that as it may, we still did tournaments here. I'm anxious to see what Leonard has come up with. I'm sure he is interested to see what I have come up with. Um, I feel like our cards will be very different this time, despite the fact that we have a you know specific roster to work with. I just I have a feeling that our cards are not going to be the same in any way. But okay, you never know, right? So right. I mean, Leonard. Yes. Before we get into whether or not we have dark matches, is okay. there anything about the event itself that you have changed? N- no. Um, I will. I do want to say this. Looking at the WWE roster at this time, the rock and wrestling era was over, but a lot of those guys were still around. The new generation era had started, but a lot right. of those guys were here already. So in my booking... I try to make WrestleMania 9 a real torch-passing type of show and how I tried to book it. I think all the components were there to do that. Interesting. That's how I've had it. And, uh, but, yeah, no, I didn't know, really we, think we about the add, We should add, before you get going, that this yeah. is exactly – this is a big transition period for the company. Yeah. Hulk, mm-hmm. Hulkamania is on its way down. The crowds have are not as unanimously for Hogan as they might have once been. The company is trying to get away from his era and into, as as Leonard said, the new generation era. But it, mm-hmm. like, again, it is that transitional period. So it's not quite fully in any one era. This is very much a company in flux. And uh, Leonard, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was, I was just going to say, uh, two, you know, when we've talked about rebooking WrestleMania 9 for a while, about throwing in a, a wrinkle like a one-night tournament 
Uh, it's odd that that coincides here as WrestleMania four was a one night tournament for the world title that most people said was bad. It made the show feel bloated. A lot of the matches were short. The finishers were wonky, et cetera. Then right after this, as you mentioned, would be King of the Ring in June. So I decided to incorporate King of the Ring here. So my tournament is the King of the Ring, is the ah, King of the Ring tournament. Interesting, interesting. Yes, and, and and I'm sorry, you had asked about venue. And no, I didn't really think about that. As I said, I liked the outdoor venue. I, I liked what they did with the Roman stuff. So I didn't worry about any of that. Now, since you asked, did you change anything with the venue? Well, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily change the venue. I might make sure it takes place at night. Um, you know, this is a small thing and to many people it might be insignificant. But when I was watching this as a kid, I thought it was so bizarre and odd that these matches were taking place under the sun. Uh, it, it felt weird to me. The fact that the matches weren't that great in, on the card didn't make it any better. To this day, this event just is so weird to me in so many ways. You have the daylight. You have the fact that it's Jim Ross's first WrestleMania. Savage is on color. It's just the togas. It's just so bizarre. But I'll leave the togas. That's neither here nor there, really. They they did build this, if, if as many people might remember, as the world's largest toga party, which is not really the greatest way to promote this event. But hey, it is Caesar's Palace. You know, I guess keep them in togas. I would make sure it takes place at night. And uh, there's one other change I would make, but we'll get into that when I start my uh, card. So go ahead. Okay. Well, um, as far as dark matches go, I didn't want all of my tournament matches on the main show. So I thought about doing qualifiers just on regular television heading into WrestleMania 9. But then I had an idea of doing an all-day pre-show on the USA Network, kind of like the Super Bowl or kind of like what they do now on, on the WWE Network. So it would have great WrestleMania moments and matches, pre-taped promos and vignettes to hype the current show, and my four qualifier matches for the King of the Ring. Now, these could be live. These could be pre-taped that we're showing exclusively here. doesn't really matter. So uh, my King of the Ring qualifier matches, I've got Kurt Hennig over Jeff Jarrett, Rick Martel beats Tito Santana, Owen Hart defeats Papa Shango, and Razor Ramon over Bob Backlund. And to mention to you, my main card has 11 matches. Okay, yeah, we have, uh, we very rarely remember to tally our, our matches. I actually have nine regular card matches and two dark matches. So. Okay. Should I go ahead with my dark matches or? Uh... Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, yeah. So one thing I found interesting about this roster was that there are a lot of people um, and we use a specific, we use a specific site to go over our rosters. It's actually called the smackdownhotel.com in case anybody wants to check it out. But um, there was a, some people on this roster that had not really been on TV or may, might be not really with the company in that moment on television um mm -hmm. one of those people is jeff jarrett so i put as one of my dark matches jeff jarrett versus bob backland these two have had matches uh would have matches later on uh jeff has talked about some of these matches on his podcast my world and so i didn't have the idea just based on that uh but it did kind of eventually get to that point where i wanted to put bob backland with somebody that would work well with him and so 
one of my dark matches is Jeff Jarrett and Bob Backlund. Did you have any other dark matches, or were your qualifiers it for you? Yeah, my qual the four qualifiers were my only dark okay. matches. So we'll get to my second dark match here, which so I had to use this guy somehow, and I didn't really know how to use him, but so I decided to use him in a dark match, and it is a handicap match. Giant Gonzalez with Harvey Whippleman versus the Bushwhackers. So Giant Gonzalez is not good in the ring. One of the main things that people did not like about the, the regular card was Giant Gonzalez versus The Undertaker. So I figured Giant Gonzalez is an attraction, if nothing else. The Bushwhackers were known for their hijinks in WWF. So put those three guys in a ring together. It's got to get the energy up at least, if nothing else. It's not going to be a pretty match, but uh, hey, there you have it. You have Jarrett versus Backland is a kind of technical old school wrestling match. And then you have this handicap match, which is silly and ridiculous, and the Bushwhackers get squashed. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that, that there's different concepts with each match. I think Jarrett Backlund would, would, would be good. I don't know if I, I've seen them. You've said they've, they've wrestled before, but I don't remember any of those matches. I'll have to look for them now. And, of course, I mean, I did not use Giant Gonzalez. I didn't feel like I had to. Yeah, so see, going, I thought about that, too. <laughs> but, but since you did use him, I mean, you used him in a way that would work the best. He's in the dark match. It's a handicap match, which is always good to get over a guy that size. It's against the Bushwhackers who couldn't absorb any loss at this point. So I think you use them to, to the best that you could that way. So my first match is uh, Tom McGee versus Kendall Wyndham. And no, <laughs> I was gonna say in my head, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Tom McGee wasn't even around by <laughs> no, no, he was gone by this point. No, so so it's my King of the Ring tournament semifinal, and it is Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig versus Rick Martel with Sensational Sherry. So prior to this, SummerSlam '92 is when Michaels and Martel were fighting over Sherry's services, and I really like the idea of Sherry being with both guys. So I just put her back with Rick here. And um, also the idea that I think Sherry and Kurt Hennig could do some good stuff out of the ring. Uh, I looked to see if Hennig and Martell had, had a match. And the only one I found was from Primetime Wrestling in 1989. Oh, of course, wow. they were both in the AWA together. I'm sure there were maybe some other matches that are out there. Uh, but we talk about all the time about how you want your opening match of pay-per-view to be something that wakes up the crowd. And I think this should do that. They work a similar style. They're face pat. They're fast paced and athletic. Uh, so you know, I think this is just going to be a really good opener. I would give them some time to do that. But considering that one of them, and that one's going to be Kurt Hennig, uh, is going to wrestle again later in the night, I would probably you know hold this to under fifteen minutes. Uh, but I like Kurt to win in advance to the finals of my King of the Ring. All right. I like it. I think those two could have a good match. And the reason they probably never had a high profile match in WWF is because they were both heels. Um, and, you know, Vince was commonly not always for the bait, the face versus face, the heel versus heel type scenarios. Uh, and that 89 match was prior to WrestleMania five, where Martel turned on Tito, but right after he had come back from injury. So it's a oh. very small window. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to but of course, at this time, it should be mentioned, Kurt Hennig was working face. He had turned face at Survivor Series 92. So That's true. That's very true. Mm -hmm. So I have to preface my first match with kind of, you know, letting people know where I was coming from with this card. So my 
whole concept of my card requires a little bit of a stretch. So Yokozuna had won the Royal Rumble, and this was the first time that the Royal Rumble winner received a WWF championship match at WrestleMania. So that put my whole plan into a little bit of a quandary as I was getting into this. So Yokozuna still gets to keep his title shot. However, it's not going to happen at WrestleMania. The president at the time, I maybe was Gorilla Monsoon or was it still Jack Tunney? I actually I think I should have researched that. But. Yeah, I think it was still Jack Tunney. I don't think Monsoon yeah. came in until a little bit after this. So we'll, we'll assume that Jack Tunney came to Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji and said he still gets his title shot, but he doesn't get it at WrestleMania because there's an issue with who is the WWF champion. And so that's where we get started here. There's going to be a small tournament of matches for the WWF championship. And we're going to start out with the two semifinal matches. And the one we start out with involves Bret Hart. So Bret Hart doesn't know who he is going to be facing. It's a mystery opponent. Uh, But keep in mind, Bret was going into this as the champion, but we're going to just imagine that the championship is being held up for whatever reason. Perhaps there was a controversy um, over who won at a previous show. So Bret Hart doesn't know he's facing. He comes to the ring. Randy Savage hops off a commentary and gets into the ring and he faces Randy Savage in the opening match. This is one of the things I would change about the commentary team. Savage was not a good color commentator. I don't think it made any sense. Vince was going through a youth movement at this time, new generation. Savage, I guess at this time, from what I understand, did want to be on color. But as we know, down the road, he would want to get back into the ring. So I think Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan would have done fine together without Savage. So I would have Savage in a match. It's WrestleMania. It's Randy Savage. Why not have him in a match? So these first two matches, we'll get to the other one after Leonard goes over his next match. But these first two matches would be barn burners. They would be long matches. Bret Hart versus Randy Savage. And I would have Bret Hart win the match. Uh, Okay, so two things before I continue. Jack Tunney was president until July 12th of 1995. There you go. So he would be your decision maker here. Also, I said that Kurt Hennig turned uh, heel at Survivor Series. It was shortly before Survivor Series. It was, I think, just the week before he and Randy Savage tagged to go against uh, Ric Flair and Razor Ramon, and that was because the Ultimate Warrior bowed out. Uh, So Hart versus Savage. Great idea. I'll talk more about that later. (laughs) <laughs> so my second match is Jimmy Hart suspended over the ring in a shark cage with the winner of the tag, the winner of this tag match getting five minutes alone in the ring with him. The teams are the Nasty Boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags versus the Natural Disasters of Earthquake and Typhoon. So Jimmy Hart turned on the Nasty Boys and the Natural Disasters at different times to align with Money Incorporated. He would turn on Money Incorporated shortly before the show to go with Beefcake and Hogan. Now, as you can imagine, I'm not using Beefcake and Hogan as a tag team. I'm doing something else with Money Incorporated. I would have been disappointed if you had. (laughs) Yes. So Jimmy Hart is a man without a country. 
And because of that, because he's got no one to protect him, his former clients want to kick his butt and are basically at odds with each other to have the privilege. So this match has two outcomes. Whoever wins and then nails their tag finisher on Jimmy Hart, because of the size difference, I would go with the disasters. Or you have one team win and the losers jump them because they're mad that they lost. They inadvertently save Jimmy Hart, and that would lead to them realigning with Jimmy Hart. And that makes sense for the disasters too, since Hart had most recently been with the Nasty Boys. And then the Nasty Boys return heel, and you could do um, a continued feud between the disasters and the Nasty Boys. And I just love putting a manager in a shark cage whenever possible. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> I think that that would have been a, a cool match to see. And uh, yeah, Jimmy Hart going face at this time to me also, I forgot to mention that about the awkwardness of this show. Uh, Jimmy Hart as the manager of Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake was so also very just weird to me. Like this whole show is weird. And that was a big part of it. Like my entire youth was spent hating Jimmy Hart. And now all of a sudden Hogan ushers him out and says, this guy helped us a lot and blah, blah, blah. It didn't make any sense. So I totally agree with that. Him in a shark cage would have been a great, great thing. I don't know if WWF ever did a shark cage match, but you and I have done a few of these shark cage ideas in these rebooks. So do you know that if they ever did a shark cage? Match? I don't know. I would, as you talk over your next match, I'll do a quick Google search, but not yeah. that I remember. I know that uh, WCW slash NWA had Jim Cornette's been in the cage. JJ oh, yeah. been in the cage. So I think Teddy Long was at one point, but no, I don't remember a WWF shark cage match. All right. Well, my next match is the next semifinal match in my tournament for the WWF championship. And that will be Mr. Perfect versus Shawn Michaels. And yes, the intercontinental title is on the line. Shawn Michaels is the champion at this time. So again, as I said before, this is going to be a barn burner of a match. You have two of the best in there together they have had matches before and i would have mr perfect win this match and go on to the finals as the intercontinental champion that is a really cool idea i really like that um you know yeah as you mentioned yeah these are guys that have had matches before um uh, sorry i was looking up the shark cage stuff to mention it appears just from a quick look that I forgot about this, that Chris Jericho was locked in a shark cage at one point when he oh, was yeah. with Kevin Owens. It looks like there was a match in which Enzo Amore was in a shark cage. I'm also finding a picture of China busting out of a shark cage. I remember that so, match. Yeah. yeah so, so, so I guess, yes, that was a thing. And I'm sure there are more. So I'm trying to do online live fact checking for us, you know, but I appreciate, we appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it, it distracts me a little bit. But yeah, you know, Michael's hinting. I mean, that's always a good match. Potentially be a great match. Uh, having the IC title on the line. That's one thing I thought about because in my King of the Ring tournament, I wanted to use Shawn Michaels initially. And then I was like, well, he's the IC champ at the time. And I want the IC belt on the show. And I could move the IC belt. But I'm moving another belt, as you'll see later. And so I just decided to, to not do that with him. But the way you're incorporating the title match as part of your tournament, I think that, that's an interesting thing to do. Thank you. Okay. So my third match is my second semifinal match for my King of the Ring tournament. And it is Razor Ramon versus The Rocket, Owen Hart. So Hart had been in WWE as the Blue Blazer and was in a tag team with Coco Beware that had made much waves. 
He would, of course, have a great match with his brother Brett at WrestleMania 10, which is just next year after turning on him at the Royal Rumble. But I think it serves all of that better if you start establishing Owen as a legitimate threat earlier by giving him a decent bout here. So as much as I like the idea of Hennig versus Hart in my finals of the King of Ring tournament, it just doesn't make logical booking to put him over Razor Ramon here. And so I try to keep fairly logical with what I do. So uh, I've got uh, Razor Ramon advancing to the finals of my King of the Ring. I like that. And yeah, I thought about, I, that would be a good match, by the way. Um, you know, because Owen Hart was really good at this time. Razor Ramon was as well. And I, I wanted to use Owen Hart. I had thought about using him with Brett as a tag team. Um, I actually, at one point, had thought about using Brett and Owen against the Steiners because that match did happen um, at a random show. It's available on one of the WrestleFest Coliseum videos. And it's one of my favorite tag team matches ever. It ends in, I think, a double DQ or a double countout, one of the two. Um, but it's such a such a great, great match. Um, but yeah, this is a weird period for Owen because like he was the Blue Blazer, but like I, he wasn't the Blue Blazer at this point. Um, but yeah, he was around, certainly. And I, I like the idea of using him. Um, so my next match starts out as just a segment. And I've done this before, but you have Yokozuna coming out. He's upset that he's not getting his title shot at this event. And he and Mr. Fuji are coming out to protest that decision and giving a scathing promo about how Yokozuna can defeat anybody. And we all love impromptu matches at WrestleMania. And then the bagpipes hit. Out comes Rowdy Roddy Piper. I think they might have had a random match somewhere, but these two never had a high-profile match, and Rowdy Piper has come back at WrestleManias before. It's always a cool thing when he comes out for these events. He was on the roster, but they weren't using him at this point. And here is where I might do something a little bit differently. So if you really want to keep it with the times and have Yogozuna look strong, then I would have Piper come out, the crowd goes crazy, and Yokozuna destroys him in like three minutes or whatever. It's a legend, it's Rowdy Piper, and you have Yokozuna looking dominant, so he doesn't lose any of his push. And so that's what I would have. I would have this be a quick squash, and the crowd is in awe because it's Rowdy Piper. I have, I have a similar idea for the use of Yokozuna. It's not against Piper. Uh, that's that's a different idea. And um, <laughs> You can tell I, me I, if you don't like it. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know if I would say I don't like it. I would say it's a different idea. Um, <laughs> because definitely you want to give Yokozuna some momentum. You want to put him over somebody that would matter. Um, Piper's a great way to do that. And at this point, yeah, I don't think Piper would last that long with Yokozuna, believably. Right. Know? I mean, in real in re in reality, if we're keeping with the whole youth movement thing, mm -hmm. they wouldn't they there's a reason they probably didn't use Piper here. And yeah. if they had used him, it would have been for something like this. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that being a different way and having because you know the, the bagpipes are going to get a huge pop. And I can see Piper like fighting with Mr. Fuji to start with. And then Yoko jumps him and then it goes from there. So I, I, I think that that's plausible what you have. 
Uh, my next matchup is the Narcissist, Lex Luger versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So originally I had this as Luger versus Sergeant Slaughter because Slaughter was still hanging around, but uh, wasn't really being used. You mentioned there's a several guys that I found wasn't really being used, but were right. there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Duggan was always crazy over with the fans, even during this period. So a win over Duggan, I think, would actually probably put Luger over more than a win over Sergeant Slaughter. I would make this just a short squash for Luger to put him over. Uh, Luger had debuted at the Royal Rumble, so he was still establishing himself. Uh, of course, as we know, because of how the dominoes fell, Luger would end up turning face after body slamming Yokozuna on the 4th of July. This poster over my shoulder for those of you watching on YouTube. Uh, and, and going a different path. Now, me, if I'm looking down the road from this fantasy perspective, I would, of course, kept Luger heel and, and worked him as a heel through, throughout probably at least the rest of the year. Uh, so this is just something to get Luger on the show. Uh, to, to Again, Luger, most people don't think he's a great worker, so minimizing him and just putting him over someone who he could have a power match with and who would, you know, get, get him over in a win. I think that that's a really good idea. Um, having Luger go over somebody else is, is a good idea. And uh, I think we're both in agreement that he shouldn't have gone over who he did. Yeah. WrestleMania nine. So I think we both have similar approaches to that individual. Maybe not, but we'll see okay. as we move on here. Um, so my next match is a tag team match. It's the nasty boys versus the head shrinkers in an ODQ match. So here's why it's an ODQ okay. match. These two guys, these two teams, I should say, did have a match leading up to this event, and it did end in a, either a double DQ or a double countout. So there is a feud there, and the Nasty Boys were always great in no DQ matches, especially in WCW. They had some really great matches in WCW that were just balls to the wall craziness. And you might not have to make it crazy this one. You have the head shrinkers after all, but I think that it could be a really aggressive style match for an event that's at caesar's palace i think it would spice things up i tried not to go too heavy into the gimmick things here with this event but this is my one exception being that these two teams i think would really flourish in a no dq match not for a title but there you have it yeah now is your uh concept of this a hardcore match or just no dq I guess just no DQ. And this time, yeah. like, there really wasn't hardcore matches. That right. Come to right. But, you know, you would have maybe, you know, chairs and fighting up the aisle way and, you know, maybe statues of Caesar get involved. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this is a match that could really use that set and do some stuff with it. Uh, again, yeah, if you're going to use these guys, no DQ, I think, is the best use of them because they were brawlers. Right. So it's a good use of, of, of those two guys. Um my next match is uh, doesn't go with the youth movement idea that we, we both kind of want, I guess, because I just want to see it. Jerry the King Lawler versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, this match actually had happened at King of the Ring 1994. And it should also be mentioned, I forgot, that Razor Ramon versus Owen Hart was the finals of King of the Ring 1994. Uh, but I'm moving it up here. As you mentioned, Piper was on the roster but not doing anything. He would play the back. He played the backpipes at SummerSlam '92, and didn't show up again until being a special guest referee at WrestleMania 10. Uh, Lawler had his in-ring debut at the 1993 Royal Rumble, but was mostly working as an announcer. 
So how I would set this up is I would have Lawler on the King's court demanding a WrestleMania match, you know, asking for an opponent. Hey, someone come face me. And then the bagpipes hit. So Piper comes out, they get into it. And then you just have promo after promo of the two of them on each other. Piper's pit versus the King's court. I mean, both these guys could, could work. They were older at this point, but they could work. Um, but with their characters and their ages at this time, this is a more sports entertainment type match. And I can't say I really remember the match at King of the Ring 94. I just looked it up to see if they had battled at some point. Right. Um, but this match, I think, could be really fun, especially with the added hype of WrestleMania and just let them go out there and, and do their shtick. Yeah, no, I mean, I like that idea. I think that, um, you know, we have to keep in mind that, you know, with Jerry Lawler at this time, the fact that he went from being the king of Memphis to being a mainstream star on WWF television was a very big deal. Um, and I think a match would be really cool. But I think even if this wasn't a match, even if it was like a Piper's Pit or a King's Court, as you said, and that led to a match, like I think even that would be cool to see these two, two guys just jarring on the mic would be a cool idea. But yes, a match obviously would be really cool. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, using these two guys makes a lot of sense. So Yeah, and actually it may, it may make more sense the way you, you said it, have them just have the King's Court and Piper's is a surprise and then Jaw and then maybe they brawl and that's it. That might actually be a better use of the two of them. I guess I was just thinking matches. That's so the that's same. I, I did the same thing though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So my next match is, you know, a little bit of a, I'm not a stretch, but they weren't doing matches that involved, you know, more than just a one-on-one -on -one really at this time. But I had very specific ideas for who I was using on this card. And I had a lot of people left over. And as I had with the heroes of wrestling card, I had wanted to use people. So I have a, a four-way match here. Um, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. They would eventually have four ways, but uh, I have the narcissist Lex Luger versus Razor Ramon versus Bam Bam Bigelow versus Crush in a four-way match. And I think when I initially put this down, I might've been toying with the idea of just having Luger come out as a face right away. Cause the narcissist thing didn't last very long. It just, it didn't. I remember yeah, it very, very vividly. From Royal Rumble until July, the July 4th uh, special where he slammed Jeff Azuna. Right. Um, so I, I might've had the idea of him not being the narcissist. You could just call him Lex Luger coming out. And, and I would probably have him go over here. I think that these four guys could put on a good match. Crush obviously had the feud with Doink. That was what it was. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow, um, his match was was cut from this card. Bam Bam Bigelow's match was canceled, and it was going to be against Kamala. So okay. I'm sure we're all sorry that we didn't see that. But yeah. I think my match idea, maybe out of left field as it may be, would be better. If you want Lex Luger to debut in a strong way, I think you could have him debut in a strong way and go over somebody like Bam Bam or Crush and have Razor still saved as far as his momentum goes. So that would be my idea there. You know, especially if you're turning Luger face, then using this to build a Luger Ramon feud might be a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having someone else take the loss to Luger and keeping Ramon safe and then maybe Ramon being upset about it. You can right. do something like that. It, it's four odd guys, I think, to put together, but I don't think they're necessarily... <laughs> uh, actually, Ramon's the odd man out, to my thinking. 
you know, Scott Hall was at one point very much a power wrestler, uh, but he had slimmed down and was doing some different things by this point. Uh, but it's an interesting mix of, of guys, certainly. Um, I might have just done a triple threat between Bigelow and Luger and um, Crush. And I actually really like Luger as a tweener. I think he always did that great. And if you've ever seen the match between Ric Flair and Sting and Luger, where it was like a triple threat where they were tagging in and out. And Luger yeah. was a face against Flair and a heel against Sting. I think that's one of Luger's best matches because of how he was able to play. Like he knew how to play both of those like at the same time. Uh, but I digress. So unique use of those guys. And yeah, I think we're both in the same mind. You got to do something to get Luger over. He's, he didn't become the star they wanted him to be, but there was mileage you could get out of him. Absolutely. So my next match is a match that always seems to wind up when we do a rebook. We always use this stipulation, a ladder match. So it's a ladder match for the WWF Intercontinental title, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who's the champion with Sensational Sherry versus Marty Jannetty. So Michaels and Jannetty feuded over the IC title and traded it back and forth a couple times during this period. Jannetty had been released for allegedly being drunk during their match at the Royal Rumble. Uh, he would come back in May. I would just have him either come back early or still be here. Doesn't really matter. He's there. So this, this would be, in my mind, the big blow off to their continuing feud. Uh, I guess in my mind, from the Royal Rumble on, they would have just kept at it. So, I mean, these guys always had great matches against each other. They could definitely pull off a great ladder match with each other. Uh, I like the idea of Sherry getting involved. I like the idea of Sherry taking a bump off the ladder for Marty. I think that would look awesome. Uh, so if, if you wanted the feud to continue, I think you put Marty over here. But as I said, I like this as the blow off to them. So I like Michaels winning and retaining. Yeah, I, I had I, I had toyed with this idea as well. And um, the, the unfortunate thing is that Janetti did have some issues at this time. But I do think that this feud could have had a more high profile ending at the very least. They would have, you know, interactions and matches here and there. But none of them were really what we wanted it to be and it may be because maybe that's a lot because of you know where Janetti was at, at at the time but i i like that idea i think it would be a great match absolutely um so my next match is for the wwf tag team championships and it would be the steiners versus money inc and this match happened obviously the steiners did win the titles at, at a certain point, but it was at a house show. And I think I understand why they did that. You know, they wanted people to think that anything could happen on the house shows. So every once in a blue moon, they would have a random title change at a house show to, you know, push ticket sales upward. And, you know, so I get that, but I think it would have been better served here. Uh, the Steiners versus the Head Shrinkers was not really anything that people remember much. And the Money Inc. versus, you know, Hogan and Beefcake match was, again, not really anything people really cared to see, I think. So I think if you have the Steiners and Money Inc. here, I think they could have put on a decent match. I think the Steiners immediately winning the tag team titles would have gotten everybody's attention, would have put them really more in the spotlight. They didn't really last long in the WWF. But uh, I think that giving them momentum right away 
might have made a little bit of a difference. So, yeah, I mean that's that. It's a logical matchup. It's uh, a matchup that makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can't really say a whole lot about it because, as you said, it's a match that would happen. You're right. just moving it up the timeline, and by putting on WrestleMania, you're giving it more weight. Now, oddly enough, my next match is also for the WWF Tag Team titles, and it is the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott who are coming in as the champions versus the head shringers of Fatu and Samu with Afa. So, as you just said, this match actually happened uh, at the show. It's not one anyone really remembers. I'm adding the tag titles to that match to give it some more weight. Um, there's not really a lot I can say here because it happened. Um, I would have the Steiners retain. And in my next match, I'm going to explain how they lined up with the belts because it plays into my next match. Uh, but I wanted to move the belts because I wanted to do something different with money incorporated or i should say one member of money incorporated and as you said it just makes sense for the steiner brothers to get the titles at some point and i just think them already having it um helps to add just weight to that match that did happen i like it and you know i i should add that the steiners versus the head shrinkers on the regular card was one of the matches that you know i enjoyed watching but so i think it would have been cool here to see that for the tag titles um and to maybe give the head shrinkers a more high profile spot on a, on a card like this. So I, I, I dig that. My next match is a match that needs some backstory. So natural disasters did have an interaction here where the Royal rumble, I should say, where I, I forget if it was, I think it was earthquake eliminating typhoon. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, but they did have that happen at the Royal Rumble. So this split was teased, but it didn't happen because within a few months, both of these guys would be gone from the company. So the fact that we really never got this feud to me is something that was lost to a certain extent. And I wish that we would have seen it. So I have here a career ending match. Typhoon versus Earthquake. I obviously realized that these two guys wouldn't have a technical classic, but if you put in the career ending stipulation and maybe play up uh, John Tenta's sumo background, you know, give this match some validity, have the feud heated up, over, you know, from the Rumble to WrestleMania. I think that they could put on a good match. I think that it would have been cool to see how the crowd would react to, you know, one of these guys leaving the company. Um, so I, I think that they deserved better than what they got. And that's what, why I put that here. Okay. Um, I looked it up, Earthquake eliminated Typhoon at the Royal Rumble, and then Earthquake was eliminated by Yokozuna. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a good use, I think, of both these guys. Uh, if you're teasing something like that, or at least if you had uh, a foundation at the Royal Rumble, that would would make sense and a lot of times i think of the rumble they try little things to see oh what the crowd reaction is right that might have been one of these things and yes both guys would be out i know earthquake had like a very quick squash of of somebody at wrestlemania 10 um and and so he was around i will probably now did you say who i if you said who won i i didn't catch no it. you know what i didn't um, okay I, I would probably i would probably have earthquake lose this 
Oh, I was I said I would have her quick go over. But. Well, you know, either way, really, really, you know, the ending to this match really doesn't matter. I might have Earthquake lose simply to make his departure more emotional because I feel like if Typhoon lost, maybe people really wouldn't care too much if he left. You know, Probably so that's why favorite. I say, you know, have have Typhoon win this match so the Earthquake is leaving. Earthquake was somebody that was in more high profile storylines and was around for a little bit longer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and if you do that, you would elevate Typhoon and maybe you could get something out of him before he leaves. Right. You know, you could get Giant Gonzalez. Yeah. Giant Gonzalez. You may even be able to get a, 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 you know, a a title, a world title defense for whoever your world champ is on a raw, you know, something like that. You could get, you could get a little bit of of the delivery payback as it were on putting uh, Tugboat Thomas, uh, AKA Typhoon over before he would become the Shockmaster. So. So my next match, and it has a setup as well, is The Undertaker with Paul Bearer versus the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase with IRS. So Money Incorporated win the tag belts, and DiBiase goes to Paul Bearer and says he wants The Undertaker back, since Ted originally brought The Undertaker into the WWF, which would come up all the time. Right. So Bearer says no. They go back and forth on it. DiBiase wants Undertaker to basically serve as an insurance policy for Money Incorporated to help them keep the tag belts be outside the ring during their matches. So Money Incorporated has a match with the Steiner Brothers, regular TV, no big deal. Undertaker comes out. DiBiase is excited because he thinks UT has ditched Bearer and returned to him. But then Undertaker prevents Money Incorporated from cheating and they lose the belts, which is where I get my title change from the match that happened right before this. So an upset DiBiase is like, I brought you into this promotion. I can take you out of it and leading to the challenge for here at WrestleMania. Now, there was always the loose storyline between Undertaker and DiBiase. And that kind of came to head at SummerSlam 1993 with Undertaker versus the Undertaker match that we talked about in our Million Dollar Corporation stable video. Uh, So this is just kind of another mile post on that. It kind of solidifies this idea that DiBiase feels that he owns the Undertaker or at least the idea of the Undertaker. And also when people look back at the Undertaker's WrestleMania win streak, uh, and this is hindsight, and we always say these rebooks are hindsight, uh, he really didn't beat anybody for the first 10 years. And heck, he won against John Gonzalez by disqualification, as you mentioned in the results. Mm-hmm. So a win over DiBiase here looks way better than a win over Giant Gonzalez. And as DiBiase was coming to the end of his in-ring career, I think that he would certainly be willing to take the loss here. And I think the way he had been built up over the years, he could certainly absorb a loss here. I think that that idea sounds great. And that would have been a really cool feud to see. And uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think that that's a really good use of both guys. And you know, to have DiBiase in a singles match makes perfect sense. And to have The Undertaker go over somebody big makes perfect sense. Which leads me to my next match, which is The Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan. So this I I wondered if you were going to do that. That was my guess a little earlier in the night. So this match happened, obviously, twice. Uh, It happened at Survivor Series 1991, where The Undertaker defeated Hogan for the championship. And then it happened at this Tuesday in Texas. Now, both matches had shenanigans involved and controversy involving Ric Flair. The title was eventually held up as a result of that. So these two had matches. And I realize in reality that Hogan and Undertaker 
are not really the best of friends. <laughs> like, so, like, if you hear Undertaker talk about Hogan in any interviews, it's usually not glowing. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem like they hate each other by any stretch, but, like, it, it just seems like maybe they weren't buddies. Um, so, I think that having a high-profile match at WrestleMania makes a lot more sense than Hogan, or um, than Taker versus Giant Gonzalez. It makes a lot more sense than Hogan being in a tag match or Hogan winning the title when Hulkamania is obviously on the downward slide. So obviously you have Paul Bear and Brutus Beefcake in the respective corners. So to give it more flair, uh, but I would have Undertaker go over here. Uh, I'm not going to ruin the streak, you know, so I would have Undertaker go over here. Now the likelihood of Hogan losing here, I, I, who knows? He did lose at King of the Ring. So I think that having the Undertaker go over here really makes the Undertaker look dominant, which to me makes perfect sense. With Hogan kind of having one foot out the door already, I don't really see the big deal in him losing to somebody like the Undertaker. He would eventually lose to Yokozuna. So I don't think it's a stretch to have this match happen instead. Hogan already lost to Taker. So I think that if these two had a really good match, I think that the crowd would be behind the match and it would be interesting to see Hogan lose. So now uh, Undertaker was faced at this point. Would you turn him heel? Yeah, I guess you could, if you really wanted to, you could have a face first face because the Undertaker was, you know, I think it would be interesting to see what the crowd reaction would be if they treat Hogan as a heel and go with Undertaker. I, I think that would be because I think you could do kind of one of those shades of gray type feuds. Yeah. Where both guys think they're kind of in the right and see where the where the chips fall with the fans. And I think a lot of them at this point might go with Undertaker as as who they would root for. You know, again, the booking makes a lot of sense. You can even and, have be like the rubber match, so to speak. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Between these guys yeah. faced each other twice. You know, mm-hmm. Hogan says, you know. I need to know that I can beat you in a one-on-one with something, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to set that up. And, um, you know, Hogan, I think you could get him to go over certain people in a certain way. And we're going to get to that when I get to my use of Hogan. Uh, But I think uh, Undertaker was certainly a guy that he would go over. Again, Hogan jobbing at WrestleMania and the fact that he was going to be leaving the company anyway. mm, Right. it's, it's, it's It's a dicey situation, but I think you could make that work. And yeah, again, the same thinking that I had. You put put Undertaker over someone that, that helps to put him over more. And when you look back at the streak, oh, hey, he beat Ted DiBiase at WrestleMania. Oh, hey, he beat Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. It looks way better than Giant Gonzalez by DQ. Right. And by the way, so if you have more matches than me, it might make sense for you to do your next two. Okay. I've got, I got three more. Yeah. So go ahead and do your next two then. All right. So I got my King of the Ring final which is Razor Ramon versus Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig, which you could figure out if you had been following along. Uh, Hennig and Ramon, or Scott Hall, have a pretty long history together. They were tag partners in the AWA. They've been across the ring in tag matches uh, over the years. I mentioned Survivor Series 92 when it was Flair and Ramon versus Savage and Hennig. So these guys know each other well, uh, but I don't think they ever had a really big singles feud or a big singles match anywhere. So you get that here. Uh, this would be a really solid match, even with both guys having wrestled earlier in the night at this point in their careers. Great stamina, great condition. They could definitely do two matches in the same night, I think, here. Um, and I would have Hennig win and be my king of the ring. 
And I, I forgot to mention earlier that not only would my winner be the king of the ring, they would get the title shot at SummerSlam. So now you've set up your SummerSlam program. So it's going to be Kurt Hennig versus whoever comes out as my world champion in my main event. And, uh, you know, and you can build from there. So I think the idea was when they made this the first WrestleMania where the Royal Rumble winner got the title shot was, man, we got an instant program that we can already build. So let's keep doing that. You know, let's let's keep building on it. You, you have a winner here that you can build toward uh, your SummerSlam program. I like that. All right. So my next match is Chad's favorite stipulation. It's a loser leaves town match. <laughs> and it is Hulk Hogan with Bruce the Barber Beefcake versus Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette. Now, Jim Cornette wouldn't debut until August. I'm just moving up the timeline. Although at one point I thought about putting Bobby Heenan here because I need a mouthpiece. Right. And of course, Bobby Heenan has a long feud with Hulk Hogan and hates Hulk Hogan's guts. But since they were going to do this with Jim Cornette anyway, let's just move Jim Cornette up. He was already working with them via Smoky Mountain in 93 anyway. So why not? Right. So Hogan has been gone for several months as he was off in Hollywood making movies. I think it might have been Mr. Nanny at this point. So I would have him make a surprise appearance at the Royal Rumble entering the match. And he and Yokozuna eliminate each other. So that leads to promos from Cornette at Yoko's mouthpiece that Hogan should have never been there. He can't just show up when he wants to and enter whatever match he wants. The WWF isn't his home anymore. Nobody wants him here. He lives in Hollywood now, etc. Hogan would counter that the WWF will always be his home. The Hulkamaniacs are his family. So that leads Cornette to making the loser leaves town challenge. Okay, nobody wants you here. I'm going to kick you out. At this point, it would be unthinkable for Hogan to lose a match like this in the WWF for the common fan, especially the, the youth. Of course, he would job to Yoko and leave the company at King of the Ring in 93. You know, in just a few months, I should say, in June. But having a specific loser leaves town match at WrestleMania would put Yokozuna over that much more. You know how much of a scorching hot heel Yoko would be if he purposely drove Hulk Hogan out of the WWF at WrestleMania. Yeah. Now, he kind of did a King of the Ring, but nobody knew that at that time. He just right. he's not here now. Right. So if you make that the point, that gets Yoko over so much more. And as I talked about with your idea, I mean, Hogan, as we know, would job to Yokozuna. So you can get that here. It's WrestleMania. So whatever you got to do to please Hogan, to job, to make him job, you do it. Beefcake right. turns on him. Fuji and Cornette get involved. The photographer with the fireball from King of the Ring is there. I don't <laughs> care. It doesn't matter. Ultimate Warrior comes down out of the ceiling. I don't care. Hogan loses and he's gone. I like that. I think that that would be a really memorable moment for a WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, yeah, we both have the same idea as to keeping Yokozuna strong going into King of the Ring. Um, so my main event match is the finals of my, my tournament that I held. And that is going to be Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Title for title. The Intercontinental Championship is on the line. The WWF Championship is on the line. Okay. And you can probably guess where I'm going here. I would have Mr. Perfect win this and be both the Intercontinental and the WWF Champion 
because I think that if anybody deserved a moment like this, I think it was Mr. Perfect. And I think it would be really great to see him have this moment, even though it's a youth movement. He was face at this time. I think, you know, you could, you know, call it many things. You could call it the perfect event, the perfect performance, you know, whatever you want to say. The fact that he was able to win these two huge matches and go out of this event a dual champion, I think would be a great moment for him to somebody who deserved it, who put in his work for the company. We know that Perfect and Hennig have had great matches in the past. So the, the idea that they would have a great match here is not a stretch. So that's a given. This would be a ter terrific way to end the show. And, you know, Yokozuna is still waiting in the wings for his title shot. So you could have Yokozuna against Mr. Perfect to King of the Ring, and you could have Yokozuna win King of uh, win that match at King of the Ring. Yokozuna is still your champion, still the strong heel, unbeatable guy going into WrestleMania 10. It would make sense, you know. I had toyed with the idea of maybe having Yokozuna come out as a surprise, and like you know, crush the dreams of Mr. Perfect or something at the end of this. But I like the idea of Mr. Perfect going away a dual champion. I, I think that that's something that I would have personally liked to have seen in retrospect. So that's how I would have done that. Now, as I said before, I had Hogan lose to The Undertaker. Hogan was needed for the European tour following this WrestleMania. That's one of the reasons why he's kept around. And he would have a match at King of the Ring against Yokozuna. In my events, he would still have a match at King of the Ring, but he would have a match against Bob Backlund. So <laughs> I wanted to use those two. Now, those two never faced each other in their prime because Backlund didn't want to face Hogan, Yeah, um, as the story goes. So I think that it would be much more plausible here. You could have Hogan leave a winner instead of, you know, having a fireball shot into his face. So anyway, I have a little bit of aftermath there with Yokozuna winning against Mr. Perfect and Hogan against Bob Backlund. So ultimately, we have Mr. Perfect standing tall. So, mm. Well, I should, I should say my scenario, King of the Ring doesn't exist. So I'm not doing so that pay-per-view just doesn't happen in my mind. Uh, it does still happen in your mind. That is a, is a heck of a finish. You know, I think. Kurt Henning is one of those guys, of course, he was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion, that people think that he should have had a run with the WWF title at some point. And there's plain scenarios of people saying where that would have fit in. Now, you mentioned youth movement. I mean, Hennig was only 35 at this point, and right. he had came into the WWF for this run uh, starting in 1988. So he was at the kind of tail end of the rock and wrestling era. So I, so I don't think that's implausible for, for him to, to be an old man at this point, what have you. Uh, we know that Bret Hart and Kurt Henning can put on great matches together. I think the fact that you have an IC title versus world title is a novel concept. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's a perfectly great idea uh, to, to do here. Pun intended, right? Perfectly great. Perfectly great. <laughs> and I'll talk more about that idea in a moment as well, because I have my main event, a WWF world title match, Brett the Hitman Hart champion versus Macho Man Randy Savage. So your opener is my closer. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. 
With Yokozuna and Hogan eliminating each other at the Royal Rumble, Savage, who came in at number three, is the winner. I tease the idea of turning Savage heel, but I think we can make this a face versus face bout with uh, patching passing of the torch motif, like Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania six. Savage was serving more as a commentator at this point, as you had mentioned, because that's how Vince wanted to use him, but Savage still wanted to wrestle. I think he wanted to maybe do both a little bit. Right. Um, so, and he had won the title just a year before WrestleMania 8 against Ric Flair. So he's definitely got, you know, clout to be here. He was just champion more than a, you know, a year ago. Um, so I know a lot of people, when they talk about the show, wanted Hart versus Hogan for that to be the torch passing moment. There's no way in hell that Hulk Hogan jobs to Bret Hart. And you know what's funny? Neither of us went that way. No, no. I mean, I thought about it for a split second. And in trying to keep things logical, like I said, I like to do. I was like, no. I mean, he'll job to Yoko. He would job to Undertaker. He's not going to job to Bret Hart. Right. And Savage would. And I think you get a much better match out of Savage versus Hart because they're both meticulous match planners. I yeah. did find that this happened at Saturday Night's main event in 1987, that they, they had a singles match there. I don't think they had any other big singles matches outside of that. They certainly didn't feud. So face versus face, Hart wins. Great technical match. At the end, I would have Savage raise Hart's arm, point to him, you know, really put him over. Uh, and uh, then I would have as my SummerSlam main event, Kurt Henning versus Bret Hart. So as I said, Kurt Henning winning the King of the Ring gives him the SummerSlam title shot. I would probably turn Henning heel because I always liked him better as a heel. So you have Hart Henning as a heel. Yokozuna is red hot, sitting there for, for Bret Hart. You can build Brace Ramon back up. Luger's on the rise, as we've mentioned. So I've got a lot of strong heels. I've got a lot that Bret Hart can do going into WrestleMania 10 the following year. You know, I like I like your card as much as I like my own. Um, I, I think that both of our cards are really, really good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, obviously I agree that Bret Hart versus Randy Savage would be a great match. Um, it would be great as an opener and great as a main event. The, you know, the fact that those two guys never really had a high-profile match is, is kind of a missed opportunity in, in many ways. Um, you know, in this era, there was so much weirdness going on and i realized that the word weird has kind of permeated this entire show for me but you know you had the youth movement thing you had savage on commentary you had you know bret hart wanting to have the pass the torch passed from hogan you know but hogan was still wanting to cling to wrestlemania uh, hulkamania at this time you know you had a lot of weirdness and obviously you know hindsight being 2020 we can go back and kind of look at what should have been corrected and what could have been corrected. And, you know, I think our ideas are superior. Hopefully Ronnie agrees with one of us, but uh, he will, I'm sure, let us know. But yeah, I love both of our cards. So Ronnie's main complaint will be, we didn't use Doink the Clown. Is he a big Doink fan? He, he, lo- he loves Doink. He, he goes as Doink for Halloween every single year. He dresses his children up as Doink, and there just goes the Doink family trick or treating. You know what? Then, in the middle of my card, you can have uh, King's Court with Doink coming out to uh, disrupt. 
the proceedings. I lied about all that. I, I had no idea what Ronnie's personal opinions are going. <laughs> Although I'm sure it, as he's listening to this, he's probably freaking out as I was saying all that. Uh, but but no, but he'll probably call me up and be like, "No, I actually do do that. You you were correct on all that. I didn't. He I didn't know that you knew that about us. So, but no, uh, you know, I I I know that that Ronnie's suggestion was for us to do these rebooks, and I know he loves these. I hope other people love these too that listen. And I'm going to make a suggestion for our next one because I was thinking about this. Uh, I mentioned that WrestleMania four was a tournament, and a lot of people didn't like that show because of the tournament. Right. So here's my challenge to you, Chad. Next time, let's do a rebook of WrestleMania 4. You can't use a tournament of any sort. Okay. But the title belt is vacant. Okay. You do have to fill the vacancy, but you can't use a tournament to do it with. Okay. That's an interesting challenge. Okay. I'm and of course, you would have other matches and do other things on the show, but whatever you want to do. So that's, I thought about that just today as I was information and i thought of that so next wrestling nice. rebook will be wrestlemania 4 no tournament but the title is vacant i all right i'm excited to do that um because yeah these these were fun and this was a fun one uh for me as well so thank you for joining us let us know what you think of wrestlemania 9 let us know what you think of our cards check us out on apple Podcasts and or spotify if you would rather listen to us give us a five-star review like this video, subscribe to our channel. All those things will help us grow. So thank you for checking us out here. And for Leonard, my name is Chad, and we will see you next week.